Well, it is so good to be with everybody. Also good to be with all you who are joining us online as well. And I hope you have a great 4th of July week. It's amazing that summer is just going by this quickly, but hopefully you have a great 4th of July celebrating with family and friends and out in our community as was just shared with us. Well, today we are wrapping up our series that we're, we are calling Mind Your Own Business. And uh, last week I actually uh, shared something with you. I shared with a story about something that is called the Fujio Penny. And the Fujio Penny has a pretty fascinating story. It is actually the first copper coin uh, that was actually produced by our government. Our government had, uh, we, we had just as a country been uh, claimed our independence from Britain. And so they decided that they wanted to produce their own currency, rightfully so. And so the Fujio Penny is and was our first ever currency produced. And last week I showed the picture of it, the back part of it, and what was written on it. And here's a picture of it. And here's what was written on it. Mind your business. Now think about that. Our very first piece of currency on the back, those are the words. And I think those words are very fitting because I think for many of us, if we're honest, this is our attitude that we have when it comes to this subject of God and money. And so throughout this very short series, we are raising a very challenging question. Is your money any of God's business? There are over 2,300 verses in the Bible on money and possessions. Jesus taught about it more than, than any other topic. And so this is obviously a big deal to God. And if you follow Jesus, this means that Jesus is your king, which means he is king of every area of your life, and that includes your finances as well. Now, for many of us, we, we hear about that and we think about that, and that's just kind of a scary thing to think about. But, but here's what I want you to know. God doesn't want anything from us he always wants something for us. And if there's anything in any area that we want what God has for us, it is definitely in this area of our life. Now, last week, we also talked about this idea of ownership. And ownership is important because ownership determines whether or not we allow someone to weigh into our business. And we looked at this very important truth that we see throughout the scriptures. And if you're a Jesus follower, uh, this is such an important truth for us to grasp. And we learned that when it comes to ownership, God owns everything. And as a result, he has asked us and entrusted us to, to manage everything that he owns. Now, what I want to do this week as we wrap up our series, I want to try to accomplish two things. I first want to, want to talk about and introduce to you a very simple but yet effective financial plan that many Christian advisors ascribe to. And the reason why this is important is because, you know, if we're, we're entrusted to manage God's stuff, we want to do our best to manage it well, and I think this will help you do it. And then what I want to do to wrap it up, I want to lock into one area or one part of this financial plan because for many of us, we neglect this part and as a result, it has a ripple effect and we experience so much stress and anxiety in our finances because of this very thing. So I'm gonna start with the financial plan first and here's the financial plan. It is called the 10-10-80 plan or some of us call it the give, save, live or spend. If somebody like the word spend better. The give, lay, uh, give, give, save, spend plan. And this works at all income levels. And so here's the plan. We first take... We start by taking the first 10% and we honor God with it by tithing to whatever local church we're a part of. And so every time we get paid, every time we get increased, it's a test. And the test results in these kind of questions like, well, who owns it really? Who do we trust? Who do we put first? 
And we talked about this last week, and I tell you, I was so encouraged. This is actually kind of cool. I received more emails and letters this week uh, on this topic in any other topic I have received, honestly, in years. And it was just really cool, people stepping up and saying, hey, I want to try to put God to the test, and I'm going to trust him by taking the 90-day tithe challenge. Uh, And it was, like I said, just really encouraging. I know some of you, you're starting that right now, and uh, this is such a sacred and significant step. I even had one person, after one of the services, they they looked at me and they said, I'm doing this. And then they high-fived me on the way out. I was like, okay, you know, you're going to do this. This is really cool. You know, people were just moved by God to trust him in this way. Now, for many of us, our tendency is to think if we, if we step, take this step and we honor God by tithing, it's actually going to decrease our financial margin uh, in cases of emergency. But God can actually create margin in our life when we put him first. And we looked at this promise last week, and here's the promise from, from God when we put him first. That 90% with him goes further than 100% without him. And this is the spiritual side to things. This is where we invite God into our business. And, you know, here's the thing. I, I can stand up here and talk about that, but this is something that every single one of us, if you follow Jesus, you just got to wrestle through, that you got to take the step and experience this for yourself. Now, the second 10 is we take the second 10% and we save it so that we can protect ourselves against future financial storms that may hit our lives and prepare ourselves for our long-term future. You see, when we save, here's what happens. We create margin. And when there is margin, there is peace. No margin, no peace. And then the final 80 represents the, the taking the final 80% and we live on the rest and we trust to God provide as needed. Now for the rest of my time, I want to focus on that middle 10, that save piece, because this is such an important part of inviting God into our business. And let me just say this, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you start to do this now, because if you do, I am telling you what, you will protect yourselves about financial storms that are going to inevitably come your way, and at the same time, you will prepare yourself for your long-term future. And because of that, you will allow yourself to be so much more generous, and we all want to be generous. Now let me ask you this. Where do you think our country ranks among the top 10 countries when it comes to best saving countries in the world from one to 10? Where do you think our country rates? Okay, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna count to three, and then when I get to three, I want you to shout out one to 10 where you think our country lands. And if you get it right, I've got a prize for you, okay? No, I don't, I'm just lying, okay? I just want you to do it anyways. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. Someone did get it right, okay? Okay, I made the, made the little clip there, but yeah, okay, here's the thing. If you said one through 10, you are wrong because we are not in the top 10. We barely are in the top 20 when it comes to uh, best saving nations in the world. Uh, Susie Orman from NBC, she recently reported this. She said, 85% of Americans have less than $10,000 in savings. And then she said this, and we looked at this one last week. She said 42% have less than $1,000 in savings. And then it gets worse. 34% have zero in savings. And here's the conclusion. 76%, almost 80% of people in our country are living paycheck to paycheck, which means this, which means that they aren't prepared for an emergency that might happen because it'll just kind of wipe them out altogether. Now, here's the thing, and I just want us to kind of think about this for a minute. It is so easy 
for us to look at stats like that and go, okay, that happens out there, that happens out there, that happens out there. But here's why we talk about things like this, and this is why this is so important. In a church our size, those aren't stats that just represent what's going on there. I know they are statistics that represent what goes on in here as well. Because here's what I know about every single one of you. Every single one of you, the course of your life, either has or will have or right now is experiencing some sort of financial emergency. And some of those challenges, uh, here's kind of how we look at those, we kind of call those something like this, short-term emergencies. You know, you ever ask yourself, you know, you ever wonder why things break down when they break down? You, you ever do that? Something breaks down. You're like, oh man, I can't believe that broke down. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you know with your car, you think about that. Uh, this happened to me a couple, actually on Father's Day. Uh, my car broke down and uh, we had had a guest speaker in and I dropped the guest speaker off at their house. And uh, I then leaving their house and I'm going to a Father's Day dinner. My parents were in town and uh, Don and the kids were, were already at the restaurant and all that stuff. And I'm driving about two miles from this person's house that I left and my car breaks down. And what was my re- reaction? If my reaction is probably the same that your reaction is when it breaks down. I can't believe that this happened. I can't believe that. Now, here's the thing. You know, we know that if you own a car long enough, it's going to break down, right? But yet, for many of us, when it breaks down, we still go, man, I, I just can't believe that that happened. I've never talked to anybody who's owned a house for over 10 years, and they said, hey, you know what? This has been great. Nothing's ever broken. Nothing's ever needed replacing in my house. I've never talked to a family. And this family has never had uh, you know, so- someone get sick or, you know, they've had some sort of an event where uh, that, that they needed to uh, step in and help financially and all that stuff. I have never had that happen before. But yet when, when it happens, we act so surprised and we shouldn't be surprised because it always happens. Every single one of us is going to get hit with short-term emergencies. But it's not just short-term emergencies. There are other emergencies that hit. And these, I I just call these historic financial emergencies that impact millions of people at all income levels. You know, just a few of these that have happened over the last 20 years. And we'll remember all these, 9-11 being one of them. Uh, When 9-11 hit, I mean, it just changed everything so quickly and not just in the airline industry. I mean, 9-11 created uncertainty, which just caused our economy to head south very quickly. Uh, Another thing that happened that we all remember is the Great Recession in 2008. Uh, Our church had just started at this time, and uh, it was like week after week hearing stories of people losing their jobs and their homes and their retirement. Man, it was just a a brutal, brutal time. Um, One that we all still remember because it's still fresh is the pandemic in, in 2020. And our country shut down, and there were just massive layoffs. And uh, the unemployment claims, I mean, just skyrocketed. I mean, we still are fresh from that. And even today, when you think about it, I mean, we are still at experiencing record levels of inflation where things are so much more expensive than they were 18 months ago. I recently heard this story about this guy who had lost a bundle. And his buddy said to him, he said, hey man, how are you sleeping at night? And the guy said, well, like a baby. And his buddy goes, oh, you mean you're sleeping through the night? And the guy goes, no, I wake up every two hours and I cry. And for some of you, I thought that was actually pretty good. I didn't know that I was telling that before. Uh, But here, for some of you, this is exactly how you feel when you think about your financial picture right now. And so what I want to do is I actually want to look at an economic storm, a financial storm that hit during the time of Joseph. 
And if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, Joseph is someone who, uh, his story is found in the first book of the Bible, book of Genesis, and he lived hundreds of years before Jesus. And he's got such a great story. Read his story if you've never read his story. So here's Joseph's story. Joseph was daddy's favorite son, and his brothers got so jealous of him that they sold him into slavery, and then they went back to their dad, and they told him that your favorite son has gotten eaten by an animal. But through amazing series of events, Joseph rises to the second spot in all of Egypt just behind Pharaoh. And the way that happens is that God gives him the ability to interpret a dream that was troubling Pharaoh. And here's his interpretation. There's going to be seven years of economic prosperity followed by seven years of an economic storm. And so Pharaoh's so impressed that he asked Joseph to prepare the entire nation for what is coming. And look at what Joseph does. He says, and sure enough, for the next seven years, there were bumper crops everywhere. And so this is, this is the economic good times that are happening. But during those seven years, Joseph took a portion of all the crops growing in, growing in Egypt. Now just listen to what he does. And he stored them for the government in nearby cities. After seven years, the granaries were filled to overflowing. There was so much grain, like sand on the seashore, that the people could not keep track of the amount. Now, did you notice what Joseph did? That Joseph was wise enough in that time of prosperity to prepare for the economic emergencies and downturn that was going to inevitably go to fall. And how did he do that? He did that by saving month after month after month. Now, let's be... Let's be really honest. We are in a time right now where, where many economists, okay, not all, okay, so where, where many economists, economists are predicting and forecasting either a flat rest of 2023 or a slight downturn for the rest of 2023. But when we think about the de decade before 2020, okay, let's be honest, that was a time of great economic prosperity. In, in our country. I mean, you think about this, unemployment rates were at the lowest level in most segments. The real estate market had recovered from 2008 for the most part and started to grow. The stock market was at an all-time high. I mean, this was, this was an economic, very prosperous time for us. Yet instead of leveraging this prosperous time to increase our reserves and save for a rainy day, many Americans instead chose to buy more, charge more, finance more, and actually save less. Here's what King Solomon, and King Solomon was at one point one of the wealthiest people in, in the world, and what I love about that is when you hear from King Solomon talk about money, it's like you hear someone who's successful with money talk about money. And he was successful with money, and he did it God's way. And so here's what King Solomon says about this whole thing. This is so good. He says this. He says, the wise man or the wise woman. And wise just means this. They understand that all of life is connected. Not disconnected, but this connects with this, that connects with this. So the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man or the foolish woman, and here's what a foolish person is, someone who knows the difference between right and wrong and doesn't care. They just do it anyways. But the foolish person spends whatever they get. So I'm going to read this again, and then I'm going to ask you to say the word uh, that, I, that I stop at. Okay, here's it. The wise person what? Saves. Saves for the future. But the foolish person what? Spends. Spends whatever he or she gets. Now, let me illustrate what this looks like for those of you who are visual. 
Over time, the assumption is our income level will do this. That it'll just kind of gradually increase. Now, I realize that's not for everybody, okay, but this is just an example. For most of us, it, it slowly starts to increase. But here's what most of us do with our spending as our income level increases. For most of us, we increase our spending level in direct correlation to the increase in our income level. In fact, as it goes up, many of us make this transition and we end up spending more than we're making. In fact, eight out of 10 Americans across all income levels, this is exactly what is going on right now. And if this is, if you're in that eight out of 10, you know this, you can't experience financial peace because of it. And this is 80% of the people in our country. Now, to be honest with you, this was me for the first 30 years of my life. You say, well, Mark, didn't you have a savings account? Oh, I had a savings account. There was just nothing in that savings account. But then I reached a point, and I just finally got this point, became a Jesus follower and all stuff, and I just, I just said, okay, I, I'm just not going to live like this anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing a, a good job of, of managing what God has entrusted to me. And so I humbled myself, and I actually went to a, a Dave Ramsey seminar and never done that before, did some reading, learned about the 10-10-80 plan, and I just said, okay, I, I'm going to start doing this, and then just started changing my financial ways. And you know what? It has changed ever since. The 10 has gotten bigger, the middle 10 has gotten bigger, and the 80 continues to get smaller. And you know what? That's exactly what should happen. Now, Joseph, Joseph in times of prosperity, what did he do to prepare for the thing in the future? He saved and he saved and he saved. And eventually, a financial storm hit. And here's what he did. He says, at last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end. Then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. And so, okay, so here's the economic storm. And it was a seven-year storm. Think about that. And then listen to the outcome. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries. But, and implied, because of what Joseph did prior to this. But throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Why? because Joseph had created margin by saving. And I think that every single one of us wants this. But most of us don't do this because we think we can't afford it. But let me tell you a little secret that maybe no one has ever told you about. We don't have to make a lot of money to accumulate a lot of money. Once again, let's go to our money expert, King Solomon, and he says this, whoever gathers money not a lot at a time, little by little, little by little, chips away, little by little. What happens? He or she makes it grow. And what he's introducing us to is this beautiful thing, this miraculous thing called compound interest. In fact, Albert Einstein, he said this, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. What happens? Over time, small amounts of money, small amounts of money, eventually grow into larger amounts of money because of this miraculous thing called compound interest. Now, let me give you an example of what this might look like in your life. Let's just say you are 25 years old right now. For some of you, you are this. For some of you, you wish you were this. I wish I was this, okay? Well, let's just say you're, you're 25 years old right now and you start to save $2.75 a day, okay? That's half of your cappuccino money for some of you. I see the foo-foo drinks you guys are drinking, okay? That is half, half of your cappuccino money. And you save that until you're 65 for 40 years. Do you know how much money you would save, just straight up? You would save a little bit over $40,000. Now, do you know what that would turn into or could turn into that $40,000, little by little, little by little, little by little, over the course of that time with the beauty of compound interest? With historic returns 
That 40 turns into $1.1 million. That's just through chipping away at your coffee money. Dave Ramsey, in his book, Everyday Millionaires, he talks about the top five careers that become millionaires through research. And so here's what they are. They are engineers, accountants, teachers, managers, and this isn't upper level manager, this is actually middle to lower level managers, okay? And attorneys. Now we look at some of those, we're like, okay, attorneys, okay, and all that stuff, okay, but, but teachers, all right? Now teachers aren't breaking the bank for, for all they do and all that stuff. And so you just think about some of those. Now Dave's theory in all this, he says the reason that these careers are the ones that kind of generate that is because most of them are, are where people go into where they just exercise discipline on a consistent basis. That they take a little in a month, take a little this month, take a little this month, and over time, and they watch their savings grow. And so they're naturally disciplined people. Yet for many of us, we look at our circumstances and we think it's too tough and too tight to save anything. So here's what I want to do with the rest of my time. I want us to get very practical on how to do this. And here's the question I, I, I want us to wrestle with. How could you start creating margin in your financial picture? Where could you maybe find some money to begin to save and create margin? Now, as I do this, you might be thinking, why would we talk about this in church? Why would we want to get so in the weeds with something like this? This just doesn't feel or seem very spiritual to me. Well, let me tell you why this is. Money is the number one cause for divorce in our country. And so much of that cause is because the people are living in that 80%. They don't have margin. And as a result, when you don't have margin, it causes stress and anxiety. And what do you think that ripples into? The marriage. And so we get people and help them experience peace in their finances. Guess what that will ripple into? Their marriage. Some of you, you live with such stress and anxiety when it comes to money. You're thinking about the future. You're thinking about the present because you know this. You are one emergency away of being wiped out. What if you didn't have to live like that? Let me ask you this. Some of you, you want to be generous, but why aren't you generous? It's because you don't have the margin to do so. And just from, like I said, just from what we've been talking about this series, we are called and entrusted with what God has given to us. For some of us, because we spend more than we make, we just aren't doing what God has called us to do. So this is very, very spiritual. So I'm going to give you some suggestions and some ideas on how to do this. And remember, we, we never, never stop putting God first by tithing. You know, this is where God kind of steps in and we need his blessing on it. But what are some other things that we can do? So I'm going to start with real easy ones, okay? We're going, okay, I can do that, I can do it, which is good. And then I'm going to get into harder ones. And for some of you, I bet you there'll be some, like, some audible gasp. You'll hear that and you go, oh, he didn't say that, he didn't say that. And then for some of you, when we get into the really hard ones, you're going to go, ah, oh, no, 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 no. And you're going to get mad and all that stuff. And, and listen, th- th- listen, if you want to experience financial peace, for some of you, you've got to do some very hard stuff. And listen, that's okay. That's okay. Okay, so let's start easy. Here's the first one. First idea, start eating out less and take your lunch to work for you. <laughs> it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a long one. <laughs> now, for some of you, are like, Mark, I can't do that. Uh, Dave Ramsey, he, uh, he, he estimates that, uh, that we could save on an average of $200 a month just by eating out less. Now, you take that over, over 20 years. And with compound interest, you know what that gives you? $150,000 for your future just by eating out less. 
Now, when Don and I eat out, we don't eat out that much. We have, we have certain boundaries that we put into place, and so we, we, only, uh, we, we only have a certain amount that we can do per plate, and then we usually drink water with our meal. Now, we're thinking, Mark, I gotta have my Diet Coke. No, you don't. You say, well, when we take our kids out, they have to have sodas. No, they don't. The next time you go out with your kids, you tell the little suckers, no, you're drinking water because mom and dad's future depends on it, okay? You just tell them that. But see, all kidding aside, the average family spends over $1,000 a year just on soda. There's your emergency fund right right there for the next time your tire blows out or the air conditioning blows out. Here's another idea. Make your own coffee at home. Instead of going to 10 bucks, what about making your coffee at home? Now notice I didn't say cut coffee out altogether, okay? I'm not stupid, I need you to stay awake during church, okay? That's why we give away coffee here for free and we kind of crank it up, all right? I'm not saying don't, don't, I'm not saying cut it off. I'm gonna say, what if you made it at home? Uh, Average family spends over $120 a month on coffee outside of the home. Once again, that's just little by little, little by little. Uh, Here's another one. Once a year, go and call companies to make sure you're getting the best rate. This is really just low-hanging fruit right here. I'm telling you, you do this starting tomorrow, and you will start saving money starting tomorrow. I mean, call every year on your home and car insurance. We did this last year. We saved $300 last year, and we got better coverage. Call about your internet rates, your cell phone rates, and, and things like that. I'm telling you, almost always you will save money. Uh, one of the things that Don and I refuse to do is we refuse uh, to pay full price for, for any electronics, uh, home goods, clothing. I know some of you are looking at my clothing and go, you should start paying full, full price, you know? I see how you dress. But we refuse en- en- to repay any of that because here's the thing, something always goes on sale. It always does. Uh, last year, uh, we, had, uh, we had run our, our iPhone 8s into the ground, and so they were starting to freeze up on us and all that stuff, and so uh, we were like, okay, we gotta get four new iPhones, okay? And uh, so what we did is we waited till the new one came out, and it usually comes out in the fall, okay? And then, you know, you, around Christmas time, they, they run specials. And then we looked at the one, the, the last year's model, which they always cut dramatically. We saved $400 per phone with no monthly fee. Saved a ton of money. And you know, listen, anybody can do that. Now, for some of you, that might sound radical, some of those things. You're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But listen, everything, we can do any of those things. Now, let me just give you two, what I think are very radical steps. And this is where, for some of you, <laughs> you might get a little mad. And listen, that's okay. Because if, if you want to experience financial peace in your life, you may have to make some radical changes. Here's the first thing. What if... You sold your new car and you bought a used car. You know, what if you sold your new, new car and you were able to take some of that money and you were to put it down on a very reliable used car and greatly reduce your payment or maybe even wipe out your payment altogether? Listen, a, a reliable used car gets you from point A to point B just as good as that shiny new car. The average car payment in our country is this. 700, over $700 for new, and over $500 for use, and that continues to go up. Listen, if you put that money in a mutual fund per month for 30 years, you would have $1.5 million. You would be retiring on a beach in Florida just for driving a used car for the rest of your life. And, And listen, every single one of us can do that. Now, this last idea I wanna give you 
This one's going to be very radical, okay? And uh, I'm going to set it up this way. Have you ever met someone who's not entering retirement, okay? Have you ever met someone who is moving out of their current house, but not into a nicer, bigger house, but actually a smaller, less expensive house? You ever met someone like that? Now, for most of us, the answer is no. And why is that? Because that takes humility to do. We can save an average. If you did this, kind of, if you're, like I said, if you're really struggling with margin right now, you could save anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a month just by doing that very thing. Now, some of you are in the process of buying a nicer, newer house, and you're like, I can't believe he's talking about this right now. Listen, almost 80% of the people in our country are experiencing some sort of financial stress right now. And so if, if you have to make, do, do something radical to get out of that, listen, it is worth doing. If you want financial peace, you got to create margin. And the way we create margin is by saving. Now, I don't know about you, but here's what I find, here's what I find to be true. What I prioritize, I automate. I mean, if... If I just do that, it just automatically happens and then I don't think about it. You know, for many of us, we have workplaces that offer a 401k plan. And so you get the opportunity to choose to have a certain amount pulled out of your paycheck and invested into something that is tax-free. I remember the first time I learned about that, I thought, oh man, this is really cool. Then I can't get my greedy little hands on it, you know, ever. And so I just started to, you know, I just kind of automated that, started doing that from the beginning. And so here's the thing, I don't miss that money because I never see that money. You know, I do that with giving as well. I get paid twice a month and it's automated just so I don't get tempted to put anything in God's place because I don't want to miss his blessing on my finances. So what we prioritize, we automate in every single one of us. Maybe that's a step that you need to take as we close out the series. Now, I want to just wrap it up by giving you two challenges. And here, here are the two challenges I want to give you. What is one thing that you could do today? One thing. One thing that you can take out of your life so that you can create some margin so you can experience peace when the inevitable financial storms come your way. You know, what is one thing you can do? Maybe it's something really big, but maybe it's not that big, but it would make a big difference for you. I've been doing this for a lot of years, and I have never seen anyone accidentally drift into financial freedom. It always starts with a decision. And then here's the second thing I want to encourage you to do. For some of us, we need to take this step and we need to go to this two-hour seminar we're offering called Hope and Money and it's done by Dave Ramsey. Uh, I talked earlier about my story and I said, man, I just finally got to this place where I said, I'm not going to do this anymore and I'm going to humble myself and take a step and be open to learning how to manage God's resources better. You know, for some of you, you are in that spot right now. It is two hours and that two hours may make a huge difference for you. And it's free. That's a good thing. It's free. You don't have to pay anything for it. Uh, this is, just this past week, I was sitting down with this couple, and uh, we were having lunch, and they were telling me their story. And they talked about how uh, they, their marriage, their, their finances were upside down, and their marriage was struggling. And they actually went to a very similar seminar by Dave Ramsey like that. And they said, man, it just turned our marriage around because it turned our finances around. Would you be willing to take a step like that? Because God wants us to have peace in our finances. And you know what? So do you. For most of us, not all of us, okay? For most of us, we follow Jesus. But the one thing that we were holding, are holding on to, the one thing that is causing stress in our lives is our personal finances. Uh, during the Crusades, 
Many of the crusaders were actually mercenaries that were hired from other countries. And before they could fight, they needed to be baptized. Now, during the Crusades, there, there, there were horrible wars and people did awful things in the name of God. But during the baptisms, a lot of the mercenaries that were baptized, when they were baptized, they held their sword above the water while their entire body went under the water as if to say, God, you can have all of me, but you ain't having this part of, of me. I am going to fight. And for many of us who have given our lives to follow Jesus, the one thing that we are holding above the water, so to speak, is our wallet. And we're going, God, I want you to mind your own business because I'm going to control this. I'm going to do this my way. But if I could just challenge you to maybe just a huge shift in decision making and invite God into your business by doing it his way. And sure, it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to wrestle and everybody else is doing it around you a different way. But I'm telling you, if you do, you will be happier because you experience peace because now you are allowing God leadership over what's already his anyways. Let me pray for us. Father, um, as we come to the end of the series and uh, we, we talk about a topic that, hey, in church, we don't think a whole lot about, but God, we just see this as such a critical part because this is a big part of, of your plan for us financially. You want us to experience margin. You want us to have peace with our finances. You want us to be prepared for the present emergencies and the future long-term uh, retirement that comes our way. And so, Father, I would just pray that um, as we look at those numbers, God, those numbers are very real right here. And this is not to condemn anybody, but this might be a wake-up call where you go, okay, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to surrender and do it your way. And I'm going to give you the first 10, and then I'm going to look at this next 10, and how can I begin to create margin? God, I pray that there would be some steps taken with couples that are here, that, are, that their marriage is, is, is struggling mainly because of finances. And I pray, God, that together they would make some decisions and they would experience peace, not just in their financial world, but in their marriage as well. And for those of us who are single, or we're not maybe paying a whole lot of attention to this, God, I pray that some decisions would be made now because the decisions made now will be where we are in the future. And so may that happen. God, that we want to be great with the resources that you've entrusted to us. Whether we think it's enough or not enough, whatever that is, we want to be great at it so you would entrust us with more. God, um, thank you for just the scriptures and how they say so much about that, so much wisdom. And Father, may we put it into practice and in doing so, we honor you with it because we want to invite you into what is yours anyways. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.